Hello everyone and welcome back to the TW2 podcast with me, Fergus Mainland, coming to you from Edinburgh during the fallow week of the 2023 Six Nations. And I thought it best during this fallow week, I'll give the others some time off, some time to reflect on, on life without rugby during this uh, this fallow week. And uh, I'm delighted to say that earlier on today I sat down with Scottish rugby legend Donna Kennedy to talk all things 2023 Six Nations and the state of Scottish women's rugby as well. Now Donna is a legend of the game as I, as I just said. She is the most capped Scottish rugby player of all time and she was the first Scottish player to reach 100 caps. She's played for her country 115 times between 1993 and 2010 and in 2017 she was inducted into Scotland's Rugby Hall of Fame. So delighted to have Donna Kennedy on the TW2 podcast so have a listen to this conversation that we've had in the fallow week of the 2023 Six Nations. How have you found the the Six Nations so far? Well, I think from a Scottish perspective, it's been disappointing. Um, obviously, we're up against the English first, and that's always going to be a, a difficult test because you know you're up against you know one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. I know obviously New Zealand are the world champions, but you know, on their day, England you know could have won that match as well. So, and, and it's a true test, you know, when you play against the likes of England, you, you know you're really testing yourself. But then the next week when you're up against Wales, where you know you should have a good opportunity of winning that match, um, I thought it was disappointing that we didn't come away with a win. Um, because I do think the girls desperately need a win. Um, you know, for their own for their own moral sanity in a way, because you know, they're they've been so close, but yet so far. You know, because in international rugby, you don't get that much time, and then a loss is a loss at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. if the scoreboard doesn't say you've won, you've not won. And um, but the thing is, there's there's fundamental things they have to do. I, I do think a lot of it sits in the decision making. Mm. Um, I think their execution at times can be it can be poor. Um, but when they do execute, by goodness, they can execute well. So it's getting the consistency. You know, when they've got the possession, they need to turn into points. Mm-hmm. And started to do that against Wales, but yet there was little things. You know, when you're when you're down to fourteen women in the pitch, you go out at half time, you come back, and then Wales score. I mean that that for me, you need to be the team that's coming out on top. You know, yeah. at the second half, and you need the one to to be scoring at that point as well. But I don't know if you saw it, but it wasn't a try. I don't know. If you, no, I was, well, I was. I was. I was sat up in the. I was sat up in the press box with uh, Stuart Bathgate, Gary Heatley watching, it, and it was just frustration. Frustration was the biggest emotion from all of us throughout the yeah. whole game that it wasn't just quite able to to finish it, it, off these phases. But of it play. wasn't there, you know. That was not a try because when you looked at, I can't remember who it was, but her arm was underneath it, mm-hmm. right? Now this is where, and I speak to someone else about this after the game. As a player, if you do not think that you think you've held that ball up, you should be protesting. <laughs> you should be saying, go to the TMO, let's get it checked. Because what, what, what we were looking at, that was held up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a try. But we went, and ways were too nice. I, and I've said this before, I do think, I saw a bit of bite against Wales, and we're getting more of that bite. I saw less of it against England. I saw probably a bit in the first sort of 10 minutes in the last 10 minutes. But we, we need that for the whole 80 minutes. We need to perform for 80 minutes. We do. And when we say eight minutes, it's not eight minutes because gameplay is what thirty-five minutes of gameplay. 
Let, let's get let's let's put it in the reality. You know, you're not playing solidly for eighty minutes. Yeah, the time's eighty minutes, but the time in play, you know, is like what 35, 40 minutes. So, and you've only got a certain amount of possession that time, and, and we need to be converting that possession into points. I mean, simple things like missing a touch on our on our penalties. I mean, that should be bread and butter. You know, that that should be something that we're nailing. You know, all the time. But at at some points, our kicking game was really good. But in others, it was awful. <laughs> so it's like, we've got to get that consistency. That's the bit for me. You know, once they find that consistency, I, I, I think Scotland will definitely be a, a, a real contender, you know, with regards to up against France and um, potentially England at some point, yeah. So I suppose then, what what would be a successful championship for Scotland? We've had the two losses in the opening weeks of the of the of the championship. What's then a successful championship with three more games to go? Well, they've, they've got to. I'd love for them to go out there and beat France. I mean, that would just be transformational for them. But I mean, that's that's a big ask mm-hmm. given the first first two um, first two performances and the way that France are actually performing in, in, in this tournament. Obviously, they had a bit of a shaky start um, against um, Ireland, but um, obviously against Italy, they showed their, their, their true selves. That's what France are capable of, and I think that's the game they'll bring to Scotland. Um, and I'll hope, I think they'll save that game for England as well. <laughs> so I think Scotland have to come away for a win against Ireland, and it has to be a win against Italy. You know, that for me now, that's probably... Where Scotland can win, we can't. We can't not come away and get two wins now. That has to be on the cards for them. Mm-hmm. And there's there's been a lot said about stars that are missing who are away with GB sevens, but I suppose what's been quite nice to see is, as you've touched on, is some of the some of the young backs in particular who have been coming in and stepping into into the shoes of some of the most experienced players. That's got to give this side quite a lot of hope when they go up against Ireland, when they go up against Italy in, in weeks to come. I think there's two ways that you can you can look at that, right? As a as an international outfit, regardless of who you've got out through injury, you should be as a coach comfortable with who you're bringing in, right? And that's where other nations have got the strength and depth. You just have to look at England. You know, they've probably got two or three people, if not more, queuing up for each position. Mm-hmm. Now that's because it's been built that way and it's that's been a progression over a period of time. Now, obviously, we had our, I wouldn't say necessarily our infancy, but we are still at that sort of um, growing element of making sure that we've got the strength and depth in our side and, and there's a lot going on and I know there's a lot going on with Futures and the Celtic Challenge Cup and things like that. But that, for me, is the issue and the issue will always be the domestic game. The domestic game in Scotland isn't good enough and that's not been good enough for a long time. And that's why you've got, you know, the girls going across the borders uh, in England and playing in the best, in my opinion, the the, the best um, premiership in the world, really, to, to be playing your rugby. And if you're doing that week in, week in, uh, week out, it's not just the playing, it's the training. It's mm-hmm. everything. It's, it's, it's everything that's wrapped around about it that just makes you, it's a different, it's a different environment makes you a different player, you're challenged differently, your mindset's different, you're physically different. It's it's just it's just a different setup really, you know, as a player. Because I, I went across the border, I went down in what, 2005 it was when I left Scotland. Um, and that was just for the 2006 World Cup. And, you know, you've got to test yourself. 
against the best. Uh-huh. And, and how far do you think Scotland is in terms of, I suppose, the, the, the team and the development behind England? How many years until we do you think we've got a team that can actually go toe-to-toe with England? Well, my opinion is, right, we're, we're doing it, we're starting to do it now, but we should have done it sooner, right? We had an opportunity to do this a lot of time. When I retired in 2010, we were in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Should have been doing it then. You know, it's like, in fact, I've tried to retire before 2010. It was 2006 I retired. I tried to retire the first time, but then, you know, we, we went back. But there was at that stage, that's where the, that's where it needed to happen. Um, so we've been slow out the blocks. There's no doubt about it. We have definitely been slow out the box. And no matter what, as a Scots woman is saying, you have to look at the English structure. You have to look at the setup they have because look at where they are. They, they've, they've, it's proven because they're doing it out there on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and even though we're starting to see some some progress, some progression with the team, with the, with the pro contracts that were announced a few months ago, how how well do you think the SRU and do you think the, the Scotland setup is is doing for the for the women so far? And I suppose how much more do you think they could be could be doing? And I sort of asked that a little bit loaded, having sat and watched, particularly the way they did the anthems, the way um the way they welcomed the teams at at the Dam Health last Saturday compared to things like they did uh, for the men at Murrayfield or for England at, at Kingston Park. It's just not quite not quite on the same level. It's just missing out on the on the little things. Is that is that something you've you're feeling as well? I think there's. I mean, I, I normally I'm quite vocal about stuff like this. I I I just really do feel that now the investment is there, right? So that's that's fantastic, right? But it's where is it going to be in the next 10, 15, 20 years time? Right? Because we've been here before, not to the same level of investment, but we've known that we've had gaps in our pathways before, right? Now there's there's definitely those gaps have been started to get filled. I absolutely accept that. But it needs to keep going. This is not it's 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 good, but it, we need we need to be looking further out. You know, this is the stepping stone for some of the youngsters now coming through to be professional rugby players, right? What's going to happen for the next for, you know for the what youngsters that are watching the girls are out in that pitch now. Mm-hmm. Can they be there in 15, 20 years' time? And the answer has to be yes. Has to be. Because right? if you look at all the commercial attention now, the, the, the game in its own right has got its own brand. You know, now we're attached from you know being part of, you know, the Six Nations used to be either played on a Saturday, you know, after the men when the men were on or you played on a Sunday. The fact that it's completely detached from at the same time, you know, you've got an identity and a brand in its own right. And you just need to look at some of the sponsorship that's coming through. And then some of the attendances that are getting um, recorded at some of the matches. I mean, look at Wales. Wales is now sold out down at Cardiff Arms Park. You know, it's it, it has to be the investment is there, but it can't just be a short-term investment. Yes, we've got strategies, but, you know, strategies might only last for three or five years when people change, you know, through the SRU structure, right? It has to be integrated. It has to be embedded in the thought process and not an add-on mm-hmm. always has to be embedded in that and that, that's something I'm really passionate about and I've always said I want to um, I have said I, I would love to be in the SRU board that's one thing I've said mm-hmm. I, I would love to be there in the next five years I'd love to have you know not just a voice for women's rugby but for, for rugby in general because you know I don't think um, the accessibility if you can get the accessibility across everywhere then 
as a young sports person, you have a choice of which sport you play. And then it's the support that it has round about that. So for me, it's accessibility and choice. And now we've got the role models out there because I had no role models when I started. Mm. None. Yeah, that's that's one of the great things yeah. that we've got at the moment is you look at the number of people who are queuing up after matches, not just uh, the national team, but in the, the Prem 15, yeah. to wait, waiting to to see to see the Rachel Malcolms, to see the other players on the on the field. They've 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 got a, a real generation of players now that they can look up to and and get that inspiration from. Well, it's massive. I mean, I live in Worcester and I go across, I, I was at the Loughborough Lightning Worcester mm. game. So obviously there's a high level of contingency <laughs> in the Worcester team, high level of Scottish contingency in the um, Loughborough team. So that was a super game to watch. And just seeing the young kids, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And it's not just the young kids, adults are actually, they're coming to watch it because they like the brand. I, I, I live in a really small village down here. And there's a lot of the, the um, people coming to me like I'm really enjoying watching the women's game better than the men's game, you know, because it's you know it's more exciting. It's it's in, in terms of think it's faster because there's more time in play, you know, because there's you know less probably less scrums and well maybe some of them and stuff like that. But you know people are really getting a buzz about it, mm-hmm. you know. So we have to keep this going. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, contracts are there, right, which is great, but. What does the next 10, 20 years look like? And for me, that's where I want to, I want to see it progression. You know, I want, to, I want to make sure that my daughter, who is five, can have an opportunity to pull on, hopefully, a blue jersey at some point. You know, and the structure will just be fantastic. You don't have to worry about all the all the issues that have came previously because the opportunity is there. And if we don't take it now, we'll never take it. Mm-hmm. And I suppose you've, you've touched on that five, 10 years down the line, but... Even sort of shorter in the in the timescale is the is the next World Cup that's going to be taking place in England. What's what's a I suppose the the realistic aim that Scotland should be aiming for? We narrowly missed out on getting out of the group stages. I suppose yep. is that should we be targeting quarterfinals, potentially looking at semi-finals as well down the line? Absolutely, you have to. I mean. You know, realistically, as a player, right? You, I, I never took the field thinking I was ever going to lose a game. You know, you you know you're going to come up against a tough game, but I think you've got to realistically, you know, target those quarterfinals. You have to, and then you've got a chance. You have to, you have to get out of the groups. You just can't accept to be there. Being there is fantastic, but winning and being there is just a, it's a it's a different concept altogether. It really is, and and Scotland can win. They can win. I mean, they've they've got flashes of bloody brilliance, but then at times I don't know what happens, but we just sort of lose ourselves, lose ourselves in the game. And I do think, and I'll say, I'll happily say, it, we're we're too nice. Wales bullied us on Saturday. They did, and it took us a wee bit to realise. And still, there was a few players that then started to step up to the mark and deal with it. But we need to deal with it better than that. And you can't have excuses by saying. We've not got our big carriers. We've not got our Sarah Bonners. We've not got our Jade Conkles. You know, we've not got our Emma Wassels. Right, you're an international rugby player. You've been selected to go out there and play for your country. You know, so you've got a job to do. You know, and we can't we can't have those excuses anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, just can't. Yeah, it's a really exciting new era of Scottish women's rugby we're entering into. And yeah, fingers crossed for the next couple of weeks or so in the in the Six Nations. A massive thank you goes to Donna Kennedy for sitting down with me earlier on today and putting the world of Scottish rugby to right. And as Donna has alluded to, 
there is so much young talent. There is so much potential within this Scotland team. It's it's so exciting to look on and, and see a team, particularly, as we mentioned, the back lines of, of Chloe Rowley, of Fran McGee, as we've sung the praises of on this, on this podcast time and time again. But they're staring down the barrel of the harsh reality that it's currently 11 games and 11 losses, leading back to that only win that they've had in those 12 games, which is that World Cup qualifying game against Colombia. Now, look, as you all know, I am just about the most optimistic man when it comes to Scottish rugby. But this team have got a huge challenge coming up after this weekend's fallow week. They're back in camp next week for their huge game away to France. That's going to be an almighty test, as Donna alluded to. And then back at the Dam Health in Edinburgh for two crucial, crucial home games against Italy and then against Ireland. Prime time, half past seven kickoff, that final one. They are the final game of the TikTok Six Nations 2023. And all of a sudden, they've just become must-win games. We've got those three Scotland fixtures to look forward to after this fallow week. And we will also be bringing you all of the action in the rest of the games in this year's Six Nations Championship. We appreciate our coverage has been a little bit relaxed over the course of this fallow week, but that's because there's just been so much rugby going on and we need a break. We appreciate you, the listeners, need a chance just to decompress from all of the Six Nations before we hype up and we go again in the final three weeks of this year's championship. And we'll be with you every single step of the way. And starting next week, we've got some fantastic interviews to bring you that we're so excited about. But from me, Fergus Mainland, that's all we've got time for in today's episode. And we'll see you next time in the TW2.